And good evening, Hill City Church. It is good, it is good to see you and see your faces. And I just, you know, for me, because you know me, and if I don't think there's very many people here that don't know me, I love you. My wife and I love you. Our leadership team loves you. And uh, love is a powerful thing. And I don't use the word love lightly. And uh, my heart is warmed and filled because I have a family. It's called the family of God that I know and I cherish. And it's God's family. It's his kids. So we're kind of brothers and sisters. We get to kind of rub shoulders. Well, at a distance, I guess. And enjoy one another and be blessed by God. So thank you for being here tonight. Uh, I want to pick up in this series that we've been in the middle of called Up Next. What's up next? I don't know what's up next. Everything's changing so fast. I, I can't really believe what's going on. I had not anticipated that uh, this would be uh, life as I once knew it right now. So this is good for all of you. It's good for me, for us to focus in on what's most important and seek the Lord together and to continue to worship and let him fill this temple because you are the building, you are the temple, you are the church, you're his people. Let him fill you. Let him encourage you. Tonight I want to talk about, I've just called this message tonight, um, tug of war, tug of war, or tug of war, whichever way you want to say it, both are accurate. And many of you probably... Uh, at one time or another, whether it was maybe sports day when you're in elementary school or somewhere, somehow, you participated in a tug-of-war, so you all know what it is. And it's a battle between two teams to see who's the strongest. Well, tonight I want to encourage you that uh, now's the time to seize the moments and not just let life happen to you. Life is not on autopilot, autoplay, where you are not involved. You are absolutely and completely involved. My wife and I, we were uh, out kayaking on the hot, sunny day, hottest day of the year last weekend on Sunday afternoon. And uh, we went to this spot, which is normally fairly remote, but on the hottest day of the year, you usually run into a few people. So we were out there kayaking. We found a nice beach. And there were some people there with some dogs and stuff. And and just this one couple and the one part we were. So we, uh, we started setting things up and we bring, I know it's kind of rough, we bring floaties with us besides the fact that we have our kayaks to paddle in. But we, it's a hot day, we just wanted to swim and float and stuff. And so we got our blanket out, you know, out of the kayaks and we spread it out and put a rock in the corner. And we're just kind of getting our feet in the water and just enjoying ourselves when all of a sudden these people, their dog... Um, it, who had been swimming, of course, and it rolling in the sand, uh, spotted our blanket. Phew! The dog beetled for the blanket and laid down and left these great big sandy marks on it and then laid down and started rubbing it and just having a great old time and just loving our blanket. And, and uh, at that point, the owners saw that and, and were like mortified. And so I go over and I kind of got on my hands and knees to try and get the dog. So you imagine my response. It's less like, what are you doing? This is crazy. You ruined our day. You wrecked our blanket. This is dumb. This is stupid. What's going on? No, that's not what I said. You know me. That's not what I said. But I laughed my head off. I thought it was kind of hilarious. But some of us let things like that really ruin our day. And I think it's a good illustration about how things come along that, you know, are, they just happen. They happen in life. Things happen to us. What are we going to do about it? They're impositions that cause us a little discomfort in 
and change what our expectations are for the day or for the situation, for life in general. And I want to encourage you tonight to live with an audacious faith in response to impositions. Okay? Live an audacious faith in response to impositions. Um, audacious isn't a word that I usually use, so um, I have to look up the meaning of things that I don't usually use all the time. I kind of have an idea what it means. But, you know, to define audacious, it means this. Now, I'm describing or wrapping faith around this word, a type of faith, audacious faith. So audacious means extremely bold or daring, recklessly brave, fearless, extremely original. I like that without restriction to prior ideas. Just let that sink in. Seeing as how faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Okay, so think about that. Without restriction to prior ideas, highly inventive, lively, unrestrained, uninhibited. Wrap your faith around, wrap faith in audaciousness. That kind of faith. I don't know about you, but does that sound like a good kind of faith to have? A bold faith, a daring faith, a, a step out and do it. And then all of a sudden impositions happen. And so this is why we have faith. And so we know how to respond in faith all the time. And I'm not consistently respons responsive as well as I should be in every situation uh, that is imposed on me. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, audacious faith would say when life get sour, be sweet. Or have audacious faith and squeeze, squeeze the day and sweeten it with gratitude, perhaps. Or like some, don't resort to just squeezing the juice into people's eyes just because that's what's happening and then stinging them. But, you know, it's, it, we often focus in on the problem when really what we should be doing is, is setting our focus on finding a solution and train ourselves internally by faith, if, if that's our faith, to, to actually go, hey, what am I going to do in this situation? Have audacious faith. And so, you know, hey, when life gives you lemons, why not pull the seeds out and plant a whole orchard? Why not, why not an entire franchise of, of lemon trees? And kind of know what I'm talking about. Wait a minute, you don't automatically think that way. That's pretty audacious. But this is faith. This is the word of God. This is what truth, this is, this is what God is building in, inside of us. We're an orchard. We're the vine. Let me tell you a story from the Bible. I'm going to read it from Mark 9, verse 14, 29. You knew I'd get to the Bible tonight. We read from the Bible here at Hill City Church. And uh, I think they're going to have this up on the screen for us. But uh, it's a tug of war. It's a tug of war story. A story where there's an internal war that's going on on the inside and there's a battle that's going on. There's tons of stories in the Bible about an internal tug of war. I mean, I'm like, where do you start and where do you stop? Anyway, it's from the Gospels. Jesus is in this one. It's kind of cool. Anyways, it says, Now when they came down the mountain to the other nine disciples, they noticed a large crowd of people gathered around them with the religious scholars arguing with them. So it's like, okay, there's something going on here. There's some disagreement or something that's going on. Anyways, the crowd was astonished to see Jesus himself walking toward them. So they immediately ran to him, ran to welcome him. What are you arguing about with the religious scholars? He asked them. A man spoke up out of the crowd and he said, I have a son possessed by a demon that makes him mute. He can't speak. 
I brought him here to you, Jesus. And whenever the demon takes control of him and knocks him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and his body becomes stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples hoping that they could deliver him, but they were not strong enough. I mean, we're talking about a pretty serious situation here. I mean, this is affecting the whole family, not mention this son. Kind of serious spiritual thing that's going on here. Jesus said to the crowd, he says this, because we're talking about audacious faith tonight and the tug of war that we're in. Why are you such a faithless people? Says to the people that are there. How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Unbelief is a bit of a tug of war, isn't it? You know, what's going on? What am I going to do? How am I going to respond to this? Like, like, who can do anything about the situation we're in right now? Hmm. Well, he says, now bring the boy to me. So they brought him to Jesus, and as soon as the demon saw him, Jesus, saw Jesus, it threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolling around, foaming at the mouth. Pretty, pretty messy situation. Jesus turned to the father and asked, how long has your son been tormented like this? Since childhood, he replied. It, it, it tries, referring to the demon, it tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into the fire of the water. Not a good situation, but please... The father says, but please, if you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. I should have probably read it like the father probably said it because he's desperate. You'll hear him cry out again. The father, that is. Jesus said to him, what do you mean if? (laughs) That's the best line in the story. What do you mean if? What do you mean if? Who are you talking to? What do you mean if? You're asking Jesus. You're asking Jesus. If you were able to believe, then all things are possible to the believer. If you have a Bible or you have it on your phone or on your tablet tonight, just tap it, underline that one. That's a promise. If you're able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. If you have it in red letter, it's because Jesus said that to us as he said it to them. Anyways... When he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears, saying, I do believe, Lord, help my faith. I think that's what I'm encouraging you in tonight, is, Lord, I do believe. Lord, help my faith. Help my faith. Help my faith. It's not a matter of if. I know you are able. Now, when Jesus saw that the crowd was quickly growing larger. He commanded the demon, saying, Deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The demon shrieked and threw the boy into terrible seizures and finally came out of him. Notice the language, finally came out of him. It was a bit of a struggle that was going on there. As the boy lay there looking like a corpse, everyone thought that he was dead, but Jesus stooped down. I love this. Okay, just just think about how God, you know, takes care of you, you know, and brings freedom in your life. Jesus just stooped down, and he gently took his hand, and he raced up to his feet, and, he, and, and, and the boy stood there completely set free. Free. Set free. Afterwards, when Jesus arrived at the house, his disciples asked him in private. Now, he says, well, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And he answered them, this type of powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and by prayer. Prayer is pretty powerful. Fasting is a good thing, too. But I want you to be encouraged tonight that when Jesus pulls with you, no powerful spirit is stronger. Jesus is the ultimate authority and stronger. And the word if, if you are able to believe all things are possible to the believer. You see, this is where the tug of war takes place in our lives. 
just take it COVID August. Is it COVID September? Is it COVID October? Is it COVID November? Is it COVID December? What? 2020, COVID 2020. What? What? If, if, if. See, believing and doubting is this tug of war. And it, the Bible teaches us that, that if, we, if we begin to doubt, we can be, we're kind of like a, you know, we're, we're like the waves of the ocean. Just, we're just being tossed here and there. And Jesus says, I'm able. I'm able to just believe. Believe on me. You see, your fear, your fear doesn't stand a chance when you stand in God's love. And your reliance is on him. I do believe, but Lord, help my little faith. Have you ever felt like you had little faith? I'll put my hand up first. You don't have to put your hand up tonight. But help my little faith. Okay? As you think about that story, let me read another story, another tug-of-war story. It's a little bit different, but it represents tug-of-war. It's in Matthew 19, 16 to 22. It's about a rich young man who has a lot of money. It says, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, then a teenager approached Jesus. Any teenagers here? Yeah, we have some. Good, great. This guy had some buckaroos. He had lots of money. Lots of money. Lots of money. And uh, obviously had a very wealthy father, and, and there was a lot of money passed on to him. So he bows. He comes to Jesus. He literally bows before him. Okay, wonderful teacher. Is there a good work that I have, to to, I have to do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus answered, why would you call me wonderful to start with? God alone is wonderful. And why would you ask what good work you need to do? Keep the commandments. You'll enter into the life of God. Which ones, he asked. Jesus said, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Do you really want me to go through the list here today? He's, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, like, what, what, what is going on here? Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. You already know what they are, young man. But anyways, don't steal. Don't lie. Honor your father and mother. Love those around you as you love yourself. But I've always obeyed every one of them, the, the young man said, without fail. Young man says, what else do I lack? He asks Jesus. And Jesus said to him something very interesting. He says, well... If you really want to be perfect, we've been talking about this up next series, you, you, being perfected, impositions perfect us. Uh, here's a kind of a, a willing self-imposition that Jesus is suggesting to him as he's teaching him about his heart. He says, if you really want to be perfect, he says, go immediately and sell everything that you own. Give all your money to the poor and your treasure will be transferred into heaven. Then come back and follow me for the rest of your life. When the young man heard these words, he walked away angry for he was extremely wealthy. You see, he lost the tug of war. He gave in to something else other than a faith in God. You say, well, it's so unfair. Why would he want? It's not fair. Come on, what a setup. You know, here he's asking this young man to sell, give all his money. You know, pay it forward into heaven. It's like, really? Do you really ask us to do that? Jesus, Jesus is looking for a heart. It's not a have to heart. It's a I want to, and I, I want to do what Jesus says. I, I, I don't earn my salvation. I, my works don't, don't gain it for me. I have a faith in you, an audacious faith, and so I want to do the will of God. I'm not, for, I'm not under some law here. I want to do the will of God. I want to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, obeying the commandments, okay, he says, isn't, isn't, like, isn't obeying the commandments enough to be perfect? Notice what faith is. 
to love and obey, right? Faith without works is dead, but to love and obey, right from a heart that's willing, okay? Faith acts on what Jesus tells us because we know our Father in heaven is a wonderful to us regardless of our works, but there's works that are going to follow. Is there a good work that you need to do that Christ Jesus himself, like I remember him saying to me, I've called you, this is what I want you to do. Those things stand out in my mind. It stands out so much that he cares today what I do and what you do. Whether it's because there's an imposition or it's just the paths of the righteous order of God and it's the next decision that you're going to make and you look to him say, Lord, right or left or straight through. What is it that you want me to do? Is this the right timing, Father? I'm reliant upon you. I'm reliant upon you. Is there a good work that you have to do? You see, that, that perfection is being literally formed in us when we win the tug of war to obey. And sometimes we lose. And even that teaches us to obey the next time because whatever the decisions we make are, our consequences we live with, and we have to wrestle with our own brain before God in our own heart in circumstances. So God is, God is not some cosmic killjoy. He's not some, some character is trying to manipulate us all over the place. And we talked about that before. I think the wonderful thing about, about being and having our faith tested today, and I, I said it a couple weeks ago, it's kind of like, you know, the, the disciples that were in the boat and Jesus is asleep and they're wringing their hands and we're going to drown and this is all going to be over. And, I, and I, I made the point is that sometimes in the middle of the exam in the classroom, the teacher's silent. But, the, you know, here, let me go a little step farther for you. What's very, very exciting is that you're, you're in an open book exam. In other words, you have the Bible. You have the very living words of God, and you get to actually cheat and see all the answers ahead of time. <laughs> They're all there for you. They're all there for me. Isn't that exciting? So what's the pull? Let me, let me start with the first one. The first one would be the pull between the natural and the spiritual. We, have, we are spiritual beings, and there's a spirit man that is born in us by the Spirit of God, and we are being renewed by the Spirit and by the Word of God. And, uh, and yet we have a sin nature that we are defeating daily. In Romans, Paul talked about it in Romans 7. He says, so I find this law at work inside of me, although I want to do good. Evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war. A tug of war, literally, one or the other. It's pulling away, waging a war the, against the law of my, sorry, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that's work with, at work within me. What a wretched man that I am. Who can rescue me from this body that is subject to death, and of course, Paul taught Jesus setting people free, and 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 that that sin nature isn't going to defeat us and consume us as we submit ourselves to Jesus and to His ways and grow up in Him, and we keep overcoming, and we keep overcoming, and we feed our spirit person so it's stronger than our fleshly desires that that actually are warring against our spirit. Okay recognize the pull the pull another version says you must discern discern the power of sin operating in your humanity waging war against the moral principles of your conscience you need to be discerning you need to be discerning in this day and age that we live in it's a pull between light and darkness you see if there is good and there is evil righteousness and unrighteousness you're the light of the world it's your time to shine it's now it's here now to dispel you're here to dispel darkness by shining your light and living god's 
principles before a world. Today's world, of course, calls good evil and evil good. We need to discern the times and we need to be in the tug of war, not see ourselves as that, that red bandana that's tied to, the, I just said bandana, not banana. The red bandana that's tied in the middle of the rope as, as there's being a pull that's going on. We, we, we shouldn't be the ones that are pulled this way and pulled that way and our emotions are all over the map. We should know in whom we believe in and trust that he is able to deliver us and set us free just like that demon-possessed boy. And not an if, it's, it's he does. And we believe. And so we place our trust in him. In Romans 12, verse 2, it talks about this. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating. It's like don't no longer transform, no longer conform to patterns of the world. Be transformed in your mind. Open book. Here it is. It's the Bible. It's here for you and I so we can attest and approve what God's will is. I'll read the rest of it here in the Passion. It says, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through total reformation of what? How you think. So you overcome those other ideas that are in the world and that are false and from darkness and from evil so that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It's wild. So we, we probably should pick our battles carefully uh, in this tug-of-war in the world and all the many injustices that we come across um, because, you know, not every cause is equally just. And uh, if you're the type of person that maybe searches for some cause or conflict, um, you, you need to spend some time very intentionally focused internally, first of all, with, with what's wrong with you. Did you just tell me there's something wrong with me? Thanks a lot. Yes, there is something wrong with you and I. We have a sin nature that we need to keep in check and live by the Spirit. So if we're those that are looking for a conflict or a cause, we should kind of, you know, before we just launch out, you know, plow in head first, you know, to change the world, we should and must and continually deal with ourselves. Solomon gave some wisdom around this idea in Ecclesiastes 8. He refers to the idea of don't, don't stand up for a bad cause or participate in ungodly plots and schemes. And uh, when the mob is forming, don't, don't run to the shed and get your pitchfork. You know, that's what, that's what Judas did, remember? Okay? And, and was very spontaneous. Anyways, not audacious faith. Never forget it. You know, you, don't, be, don't be idealistic or just cause-oriented for the sake of being cause-oriented. Um, maybe you're the person that you're online a lot. Well, you, you need to take this to heart because you see your heart can deceive you very easily. The second thing I want to mention is to pull, is the, is the tug of war, is the pull between us. The pull between us. And when I say that, it's the pull between people. It's the pull between people, between each other, the conflicts that we get into. I mean, I could have been in conflict with the people whose, apparently the dog was deaf, that went onto our blankets, who didn't respond to the owners. But so like someone said, probably one of the best ways to avoid a tug of war is just don't pick up your end of the rope. Don't pick up your end of the rope. Okay? You see, everyday life isn't meant to be a competition or a challenge between us and our positions and opinions. Bible teaches us the reason that we have quarrels and, and, and fights among us is because we don't get what we want. 
That's why we have to look at the, the, the me, the, the person on the inside, and, and ask Christ to deliver us from this body of death, from our sin nature, and help us to overcome. The Bible says that our battle isn't with people. It isn't with people. In Ephesians 6.12, it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's, it's not, a human, it's not human be- beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating rebellion under heavenly realms. That's all the hell is against the church. The good news is, of course, Jesus is building you the church, but the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. But don't start fighting people. Jesus died for people, okay? Christ came to redeem people, redeem you and redeem people. So don't take the bait and fight people. Put on some true humility. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Putting the needs of others ahead of yourself. So that's what it means by fighting that good fight of faith. That's, that's a good tug of war to have. Revelation talks about it. It says they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They overcame. You're overcomers, ladies and gentlemen. And you can do this. You can overcome. You can overcome. You, you should just resolve, well, you know, if there's conflict between us, let's just let the Lord judge between us. I'm going to humble myself if it's possible to go and redeem it and have a conversation, humble myself and ask for forgiveness. Great, if you're aware of something that's undone. Don't let that be a, a, a remaining tug of war in life. The last one is pull between purpose. The pull, the tug of war between purpose and obedience pull between purpose and obedience. God has an amazing purpose for your life. It's not a cliche. You know what I'm talking about because his love is so magnificent that he says, listen, I love you so much. I prepared some things for you to do. In fact, you, you're my magnificent handiwork. That's who you are. I, I have some great things for you to do. I want you to be confident in this idea that I began a really, really amazing good work in you when you were born again. My spirit took up residence in your life. Be confident in that, that what I began in you, I'm going to finish it. I've prepared some things for you to do in advance. We get so caught up with imposition. We need to have this kind of audacious faith that we're not caught in some kind of an emotional tug-of-war. You know what an emotional tug-of-war is? It's this. This way, then this way. This way, and then this way. But you need to be, I know it's a little train, but I'll say it's a little tugboat. The can. And persevere. And it might be slow. Tugboats are slow. But they keep on pulling. But you're not pulling alone. We're pulling together with God. He lives within us. We're not against each other. We're for each other. You are his vehicle of uh, of his plan, of the glorious message of the gospel to bring to a world that needs it. So when we pull together, we're making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We're saying, yeah, the battle's the Lord's. You don't have to do all the pulling. Let me close with this. In 1 Samuel 17, 47, it says, All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he'll give all of you 
into our hands. This was David and Goliath's situation. This was that story. Some things, the impositions, they're like a Goliath. It might be cancer. It seems like a Goliath. And Jesus says, if, if you believe. COVID may seem like a, a Goliath. Beacon off in the valley against the people of God. Maybe the fact that maybe you're unemployed seems like a Goliath. Be confident in this. If God's for you, who can be against you? The battle's the Lord's. Who's on the Lord's side? You are. You are. What will you and I do with what's been put in our hands and what we've been given? Well, today, because I know the Bible doesn't sugarcoat the fact that we're going to face challenges in this life. There's going to be lots of them. Okay? I say, Lord, help my little faith. Tonight I say, Lord, help our little faith. Help me to win the tug of war to obey, to hear what you're saying and believe on you. You say, but Pastor Mitch, a dirty, stinky, sandy, deaf dog is rolling all over my picnic blanket. What am I going to do with this? You say, it's the same God that you surrendered your life to, that you surrender your life to now. Now. The same God who delivered you will deliver you. The same God who spoke life in your heart speaks life right now in your situation, in my situation. The same God who offers to you salvation through Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him won't perish but have everlasting life. Wow. That's for you. A forgiving God building a bridge to mankind so you can be in relationship with him and experience him every day in your life to overcome and to walk in a victory against your flesh, against the devil, and not fight against people. Fight for people to see them come to know that same Lord and Savior here, Jesus. Can we pray? Are you ready to say, Lord, Lord, Take my little faith and make it greater. Would you be so bold to have audacious faith tonight and say, Lord, that's what I want. I'm going to be full of faith. Father, tonight, thank you that we can gather around your word. And Lord, thank you that the tug of war is not an unfamiliar situation in life for anybody. And it wasn't then in the lives of the people that we read about in scripture. And it isn't now. This is normal everyday life. Thank you, Lord, for audacious faith in the middle of times when stuff is ditched our way that we can cry out to you like this man whose son was demon-possessed and in what seemed like an impossible situation, what seemed like a situation where others couldn't help. But Jesus, we believe in you and we know you can help right now. Even now, God, come into my heart and fill me. Fill me afresh by your Spirit. 
Renew my thinking about the things that I'm thinking about. Help me to stay in the middle of the room studying in this open book exam so my test, the test of my faith is strong and it's being purified, it's being refined. I submit myself to your word so my faith can grow. Take my little faith and make it bigger, Lord. Help me to trust you to fight the battle for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, that has joined us online. What a great night to be together. God bless you. We're praying for you. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear how you have been impacted by this message. You can contact us at info at hillcity.ca or simply find us on Facebook and Instagram.